This is Ethan Morton from Purdue Men's Basketball, and you're watching Boilers in the Stands. And there it is, uh, 123.2 decibels on the, the Richter scale. You you about blew the top off Mackey Arena with that shot. David Jenkins, welcome to the show. Appreciate you coming on here tonight. Uh, man, can you, you can hear me? Yep. Uh, appreciate you guys for having me on here, man. I'm excited. Yeah, well, we appreciate you having us, or appreciate you carving out some time. Um, you know, when you watch that video back, and I'm sure you've seen it more than a few times here uh, in the last couple of days. You know, you know what goes through your mind? What was that moment like for you? Man, um, it's actually pretty crazy because when the play, um, before I even got to the play, um, they were. Uh, I think Mason was taken out of bounds, and I told Braden, I said, Braden, look for the indirect. Um, that kid got eyes in the back of his head. He sees everything, so. Um, you know, it's funny because he started to drive. And then I, as soon as I started to lift, I said, oh, he's going to hit me. Because he always either, usually when he comes up the ball screen, he always looks for the lob or Z, or he always looks kind of behind him for the indirect pass. So um, I got the ball. And, man, I don't know what it is with the late shot clocks of me in this year. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just kind of like I'm even more, that much more laser focused in. But as soon as it started to come come off my hands, I said, oh, it's good. And, um you know, seeing the crowd's reaction, how loud it was, man, it, it was second to none. And then I had to make sure, like, um, for whoever watched the video, as soon as I made the shot, I had to go show love back to him, man, because, like, he's he's just a great point guard, man. And, you know, obviously that, that shot ain't nothing without a good pass. So credit to Braden, too. Yeah, I mean, talk about that. I mean, the the thing that was talked so much about in the postgame presser was how together you guys are. You spoke on that. Like, saying how rare, you know, it isn't something that you take for granted because it's that's not on every team. You know, obviously any team, you guys are together a lot, but not every team hangs out as much as you guys do. You know, talk about, like, what is it that you got that has brought, you've been on a lot of different teams, you know, through your collegiate career and your journey here to West Lafayette. What makes this so much different? Why is it that you guys are so close that you root for each other the way you do? Yeah, man. Um, I think it just all has to really do with um, the lack of e – like, we we don't have guys who have a bunch of big egos on this team, man. And I think it really means something. When you get on teams with guys who have um, high ego, it can kind of start to distort the team a little bit. Um, I, I genuinely think everybody on this team just wants to win, and they want to win at a high level. Um, our first goal from the beginning of the season was Big Ten Championship. And, you know, some of the teams I've been on, some of the guys were like, oh, you know, I want to get to the NBA. You know, we're starting to think about their careers, their own individual success. And, you know, it's just like – okay, well, what about, you know, the, the team, the team um, goals and things like that? And that's that's from day one what everybody preached was a Big Ten championship. And so I think the fact that everybody's on the same page with winning and then the fact that, like I said, in the press conference, how close we are off the court, I really think it's essential. Um, I've been on teams where we're really close off the court and we were a lot better. And I've been on teams where, you know, we weren't on we, – it was kind of groups and cliques of team uh, players, you know, who hang out with each other. But that's not how we are on this team. We all hang out with each other whether that's going to the movies, hanging out, or, you know, getting something to eat or just simple things like that. Like, I literally just got done with team dinner. We do that, you know, before every game day, and I think it's all important, man. So I think that translates to how much we win on the, in the, uh, on the court. Yeah, David, really loved watching you play in uh, the last two games, uh, especially seems like you kind of found your groove. <clears throat> One of the things that Painter talks about is, you know, coming off the bench, if, if you're not necessarily – getting a, a ton of minutes all the time uh, that sometimes it's hard to like get in a flow and get into a rhythm. 
Um, you've had stops earlier in your career where you averaged 16, 17, 18 points a game, and then maybe a little bit different role here for Purdue. How is that adjustment like coming into the game on 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 less minutes and maybe not having the same volume of shots that you had for you to try to kind of get locked in to still hit those shots and be efficient? Yeah, man. Um, just to piggyback off what you said, uh, my freshman year at South Dakota State, I averaged 16. Sophomore year was 19.8, 20. When I, my year at UNLV was 15, you know, and um, last year was nine or whatever the case may be is, you know, so – I'd be lying if I say, like, it's it's easy um, to come in and not be, you know, kind of who I was before. And that's why I'm still kind of adjusting in this role. Um, that's why, you know, my play hasn't been to its best uh, beginning of the season and all the way up in a little bit until now. But I'm starting to progress a little bit. One thing I've tried to do basically is kind of just try to find my niche defensively. I think that's why I've been playing a little bit because Payne's been trusting me on some of the best guards on, you know, the opposing teams and, um, and certain things like that. And, you know, and that's kind of – I, you know, I kind of have started to figure out the more uh, defense I'm playing, starting to lead me in the game, which has opened up some of my shots because, you know, obviously Zach attracts so much attention with double teams and things like that. But um, really, man, just trying to find my niche um, in this role and getting comfortable with it. And I think I've been doing that these last few games. But um, and again, just earning that trust again with Painter and all of my coaches as well. Not certain things, but it's not easy, you know. And but I think I've kind of like have been trying to. Um, find my role within it and I mean comfortable within my role and I think that's something I've been trying to do and I'm going to keep trying to do that moving forward how hard is that um to you talk about it started on the defensive end here and that's not something you necessarily were known for at the other schools how to come to Purdue it's not like you guys are just playing man-to-man you know there's a little as much system as they run on as Purdue runs on offense you guys have a system on defense too and responsibilities how hard was that for you to catch on to everything that was your responsibility within that role? Yeah, I mean, hard. Like you said, um, none of my years I was known for a defensive player. I was always a scorer. That's usually the way I was recruited. Um, but I just kind of knew coming into like a, a program like this, at this caliber, and especially being in the Big Ten, I, for myself, did, I, I wanted to play deep because, man, I just don't want to get embarrassed by some of these good guards in the league. You know, and I'm just like, well, I'm going to have to make sure I guard. Um, and I think that, you know, when I when he started to notice that I can do that, um, obviously Painter knows as well that I wasn't known for that as well. But when he noticed I could do that, then he started, you know, late game and certain things started to put me on the best on some of the guards. And I just think that what I started to learn throughout the season is okay. Well, I'm obviously not scoring it well. I'm not shooting it how I usually shoot it. But it seems like whenever I'm playing really good defense on the guards and you know sticking to um, the game, the defensive game plan, that he starts to leave me in. Um, you know, and I've noticed that, and, I, and even some of the games when I'm not making shots, he's, he's still really me in just for defensive purposes, because obviously we got guys like Zach who's going to score Fletcher's going to score Brady does his deal, you know, things like that. So, um, but having guys, you know, like Morty, you know, obviously he doesn't score a bunch, but he does everything that we need. So, um, you know, but every team needs dudes who's going to guard the other team's best guards or best centers or things like that. So, um, I think that's something I've learned, um, throughout this whole year, really. Yeah, for sure. I'm kind of curious, you know, going into the, the summer and that um, you say, you know, you're going to transfer. What was kind of the process with, you know, getting in contact with Painter or, you know, them getting in contact with you? And um, when you came here, were you kind of were you knowing that the role that you're in now could be a possibility Were you just or was it just you're just you just wanted to come play at Purdue and you'll figure out the yeah. rest later? Um, great question. Um, so this was the longest I was I've ever been in the portal. I got in the portal mm-hmm. as soon as season was over at me at Utah. So 
March sometime. I didn't commit here until late June at some point or something like that. I didn't get here until July 1st. All the guys been here, you know? And so how that worked is, you know, I kind of wasn't, I was getting recruited by good schools, but nothing felt like, okay, this is really it. A lot of schools where I felt like I could go get 20 or 30, a lot of good high majors where I'm like, okay, but this one is, is this is a really good school and they're consistent. Um, Painter kind of reached out to me later on in the process. Um, as I was actually getting ready to commit to a couple of different schools, he called me and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. I had my doubts at first. I'm like, okay, I know Purdue. They're usually known for their big man. They're winning, yes. But, and I also heard they got like a thousand different sets in place. So I'm like, oh, that kind of scares me. So, but I kind of talked to it. I talked through it um, with him a little bit and kind of tell him things. And, you know, he made me comfortable. And he's a pretty, you know, black and white type of coach. He tells you everything in the real. And the second part of your question is, no, I honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, I came because I honestly thought I was going to be the starting point guard. And um, and I honestly thought that it kind of be like a, a um, Zach on the on the inside and me on the outside um, type, of, type of role. And that was what was preached to me. And that was what could have happened. Um, certain, but Braden came in and Braden was good. Like really good, <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, yeah. And here's the difference between me and him as well. Like Braden been playing point guard his whole life. Um, I, that's never been me. I've always been the two, the scoring kind of guard. So when he came in and brought some of his point guard skills, that's what kind of um, led him to the starting point guard spot. Um, and credit to him because he's good. You know what I mean? And I was. It's funny because in my interview the other day, I was telling you know the press how i had sent Braden a text like last week a week and a half ago really long long message just how proud i am man because it's not easy to just come in from high school fletch too um coming in high school and do what they're doing at this high of a level especially at the big 10 um you know and and i, I preach to him every day how proud i am i have no jealousy envy of him coming in or start man because he deserves it and i know how i was once as a freshman as well so and I want to make sure he's ready for all the adversity that he's going to have to go through, you know, all throughout his next four years. So, um, but yeah, that was kind of the process. Paint reached out to me later on. And then, but like I said, I committed originally because I'm like, okay, the position that is, I mean, the, I was going to potentially be the starting point guard and be, you know, one of the leading scorers, but obviously nothing ever always turns out how it's supposed to be, but man, I'm happy, man. Like this is the best team I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, Paint believes in me. My coaches believes in me and it's a good situation. Well, I think, Everybody that's watching this and the four, the three, the three of us can speak to to this. You, that shows amazing humility and maturity, and uh, for you to to be humble like that and to be a leader like that. This that's what this team needs. You know, they you you, you they were giving you crap for being the elder statesman, yeah. and the post game <laughs> presser, but you know, and that's that's great that that's what you the role you've come into here because it you guys obviously have. I'm sure bigger goals in mind here going forward, and you're going to be a huge part of that. So I got to give you a lot of credit for sure. seeing the bigger picture when it comes to that and putting your ego to the side. Uh, go ahead, Craig. Yeah, one of the things that uh, I just wanted to bring up in, in relation to that, you know, in, in many ways, and, and you, they were kind of giving you heck about being the old hat or whatever it may be. Um, so in many ways, you know, you're the older player that's been around, played a lot of games in college, and have that experience as a leader and whatnot. But on the other hand, you're coming in and learning what everybody has said is just a massive playbook kind of on the same schedule as Braden and Fletcher. <laughs> so like, how was that going through that process of learning painters playbook? And it, you know, in one way, kind of being the experienced guy giving advice, but also learning that stuff at the same time as those other yeah. guys. 
Um, you know, so when I first had came here, like I said, I had heard about all the sets. So I was scared and nervous about that. I remember when, um, even before we got to the sets, just all the certain things that they were teaching us. And I'm like, man, I feel like a freshman right now. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, Braden or Fletch right now. Then we got to the plays. And so, you know, typically I would say coaches have between 20, 30 sets usually, which usually run throughout the year. You know, so we have five families of sets and every family has tw- about 20 sets, I'd say. So that's, you know, it's a hundred sets right there. And then you throw in out of bounds and sideline out of bounds. There's a like, up to 120 or whatever sets. So, you know, to remember all that was difficult. But what we would do is um, preseason two days a week at 6 a.m. We would have walkthroughs of our plays, just go in, walk through our plays and kind of go through it. And honestly, at the time, I'm like, dang, this is terrible. It's 6 a.m. We're trying to do that. Now I'm looking. I'm like, man, that was helpful, man, because I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be able to get on the floor if I didn't know any of these sets. Because paint is serious about the, knowing the plays and knowing what you're doing, and you know. But there were were plenty of times where I'm like, man, I feel like I'm Braden or Fletch or you know whoever all the freshmen right now because I don't know anything. And just like I said, some of the terminology that paint and all the coaches preach and some of the things that I've never even been taught, I'm like, man, this is crazy. So. But that was kind of the process. And like I said, at first learning the sets was scary. I'm like, man, I'm never going to play. I don't, even, I don't know these plays. We, all, we had It's funny because right before the first game or so, they gave us a, um, a sheet that it was it was, a, it was a quiz, basically, of all the terminology and all the plays. And you had to get like a 90 and above, you know. It's, you know, and Obviously, if you get like a 60 or 70, you don't want to look bad in front of Coach Painter. So I was studying that, studying that. And, man, I got like a 90, I don't know, something. But, you know, at the end of the day, it all played out the way. Yeah, hey, people were excited for you to be on tonight. Normally, when we post our show, there might be like one or two comments, like looking forward to it. There were like 30, 40 people posting questions for you, like as soon as we posted that thing advertising it. So if there was any doubt, Purdue fandom loves you, David. Yeah, Yeah, we had Michael Gordon in the chat an hour before the show started talking to you. It seems like the difference between the early season now is that you are, and they are letting you seek out your own shot. I love your step backs, crossovers, et cetera. Keep uh, making your, I don't know what OP is, but appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. um, You certainly do have, you know, a lot of game and I think, you know, 1900 and whatever points speaks to that. Uh, You know, you talked about, you know, learning this playbook and, and it was funny because when we had Ethan Morton on, he said, you know, Coach Shrews, Micah Shrewsbury, that's at Penn State, he called all the plays when he was here. Matt mm-hmm. Painter didn't call any. And he was like, I wasn't sure how much, you know, Matt Painter had in his bag until he showed me, you know, and now he's learning that uh, this is where they're all getting it from, you know, the, the Matt Painter coaching tree, you know. And the other thing that's kind of happened here in the last few games, it's not just you coming off the bench. You know, for a minute, there was a little bit of a lull, you know, I don't, you know, however you want to describe it you know, as far as production coming off the bench. Now it seems like you guys are all, it's like all coming in bunches between your whole unit. And I wanted to talk a little bit about Brandon Newman, because I feel like, you know, obviously TKR is also starting to ascend Mason Gillis. We all know the glue guy that he is, but you know, Brandon Newman's a guard, you know, and I, and I want to know about your relationship with him and how you've seen him kind of fill into his role and how he's been doing here, especially the last few games where it seems like, he, along with all you guys, have started to ascend. Yeah, um, Brandon's actually probably the closest guy I am on the team with. Um, you know, I just see a lot, and that is because like I see a lot of myself um, in him. And when I was kind of younger and a freshman and sophomore and kind of a junior as well, like, you know, Brandon, he wants, to, he wants to do good, you know, and he wants to do the right thing. He wants to play and all this and that. And he he is such a hard-working guard. Like, I've never – he. 
you know, he's countly always getting extra work in, whether that's shooting or, you know, or do learning different things with film and things like that. So he's very determined. The thing I always preached to Brandon, I said, man, sometimes this being simple is the best thing you can do, you know, and, and whether that's, you know, sometimes you don't need to take the extra dribble. Sometimes just, just take the easy catch and shoot shot and things like that, because, you know, that's how a lot of guys, I was telling him like a lot of guys, a lot of guys are getting paid just by making catch and shoot three pointers, man. You know, like, you know, there's guys in the NBA who can sit right in the corner, sit right at the top of the key, shoot a catch three shot, and been, you know, doing whatever, you know. So I preach that to him all the time, and I think sometimes he tries to make it difficult on himself because he thinks that um, it has to be a harder shot to make it look better, you know, just certain things like that. But, man, he he's really filling into his role. Um, he, one thing, Brandon, he's really good defensively, and he's a really good rebounding guard as well. He's sick, he's really got height, 6'4". He's athletic. He's long, um, you know, but I think that, he keeps himself in the game because, like I said, uh, um, how well he defends and he can go in and can guard some of the taller guards. Um, and I think Brandon, at some point here, I don't know when, but Brandon's really going to take off. He's like a triple. He's one of the best shooters that have been around my entire life. Um, you know, and like I said, obviously me, him, and some of us off the bench been having our ups and downs, but like, it can't rain forever. Um, and I think a lot of us are going to start coming out of that, um, especially some of us coming off the bench. I think our stars are doing a tremendous job right now. Um, but man, I, I love it. I love Brandon with everything I have, man. I think he's and he's the best person ever off the court as well. That's why I think I'm really so close to him. So I'm gonna try to do what I can as far as staying on him and preaching all that. But I think he's gonna really come out big for us. He's, um, yeah, and you got to give him a lot of credit uh, for yeah. knocking a couple games. Now he's had to knock down some free throws to ice the game. Oh but he yeah, hadn't taken a free throw the whole year. And I, I don't know how that familiar ain't, you are ain't with easy to do, man. not easy to do. And I don't know if you're familiar, you came from Valparaiso high school. Yep. They're known for this. They had a coach that is like one of the legendary free throw shooting coaches in oh. the whole country and uh Valparaiso high school players. They can shoot free. They, they can shoot, but they can shoot free throws with the but best of them. Got some good tips from that coach. Oh, he does. Yep. I mean, you see it with his form, right? I mean, he's, he's as good as it gets. Uh, yep. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I was, um, you know, you, you've been, what, your third, fourth school now, um, but your first two years, you played with Mike Dom, and now you're Ooh. with ED, two, you know, two yeah. elite bigs. For anybody that doesn't know, Mike Dom was a bucket, um, you know, more of a stretch big type, but was it was it like playing with both of them? Obviously, they're they're way different in, in how they yeah. get their points and productive, but was it like yeah. playing just with two pretty elite Some, bigs? Two completely different bigs. Um I, just to touch on what you said, I think Mike hit 3,000 points, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But I think he, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he uh, – so Mike – okay, so the thing about playing at South Dakota State was I was able to get to the rim and do those things a lot easier because Mike was always on the perimeter. He was kind of like a 6'10 guard, essentially. Um, at the time, Mark, Mike was also shooting probably about 42 45% from the three. Like, he could literally shoot it, like, just as good as any guard, you know, so – what we would do is we would always play two mans and he would always pop and, you know, they would have to worry about me too. Cause at the time I'm shooting it really well too. So the big might be late and they too, too late to recover back to him. So he could just shoot the ball at a high level. He was averaging, he averaged 20 something points, like three years in a row. He's just, he's just the craziest guy to play with, you know, well compared to Zach, like such just a dominant force. Like you throw it into him, it's an automatic bucket. You know, he's seven, four, 300 pounds. And he attracts so much attention down low, um, you know, almost every game. If, if a team was smart, they would double him. But, you know, he gets double teamed. And he and one thing I really love about Zach and how selfless he is, like, he has no hesitation when someone goes and doubles to kick it out to the shooter. He has no hesitation at all. 
And, and that's one thing I really like about him and same thing with Mike, but man, like pl- being able to play with two bigs like that, it's it one, it opens up a lot of scoring for yourself, but two, um, it's just, it's just dope to see. Like, it's really dope to see. I remember I said this in my press conference too. I was messing with Zach before the game. I'm like, man, you've been destroying all the dudes before we played Michigan. It's like, man, you've been destroying all these dudes, man. Like, well, let me see what you do versus Hunter. Then I'll see if you're real, you know? And uh, he went out there and, and just went right at him right from the get-go. And I'm just like, after the game, we beat him. I'm like, man, you are legit, man. Like, dang, you know? So messing with him a little bit. But, man, he, he you know, to credit to him, man, like he might get national player of the year. Like, I would love that. Nothing more to see that. But being able to play with those two are definitely a blessing. Yeah, I mean, Zach, Zach he's certainly down, especially on Sunday. He dropped 38, and TKR's on the bench begging Painter, like, let him stay in to get for his right. 40 his 40 burger. I mean, we, you just don't see that that much in college basketball. And I mean, I think everybody at this point knows Zach's story as far as being a late bloomer into basketball, the basketball world. And he's just so skilled. He's not just big as everyone keeps saying. And no, it's certainly no, a, no. A there's thrill. a lot of big, a lot of big seven, two, seven, three dudes out there who can't get 40, you know, like in 38s and 35s, like he's doing it almost every night, man. So he ain't just big. You know, one of the best plays of the game was this one where there Braden's coming down the court. He drops it off to first, who drops it off to Edie. Talk about the ball movement on this team, the unselfishness. You know, I it just it was standing out early on when you guys were beating the brakes off Duke and Gonzaga and West Virginia. Like the ball movement was just so much of a, a joy to see as a just a basketball fan, not even a Purdue fan. And talk about that, the selflessness on the court. You talk about it off the court as far as being there for each other, but talk about that selflessness and wanting to pass up the good shot for the great shot on the court. Yep. Um, you know, two two things to that. Like, it's kind of funny, you know, before the season, everybody was kind of doubting us because, you know, we may not be the most talented team. You know, we lost J.I., you know, just all the really talented players, man. But, you know, I knew we were going to be good just because um, – of like I keep preaching how together we were and how close we were. And we kind of got close really quick. It's kind of like everybody got on campus. As soon as everybody got going, everybody's talking mess to each other and things like that. I'm like, okay, this we're going to be really good. And I think our ball movement has to just do with that all, man. Like I know it, you know, it kind of sounds corny or whatever, but we're just so close. It's like, it's almost like looking at, like if I had a, if I was playing out there with all of my brothers, right? Like my blood brothers. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to see him succeed. Well, I think that's just how we are. I think we look at each other all as blood brothers and we're like, whoa, man, I want to eat, but I really want to see him eat, you know? So it's just like, I just think that kind of all goes in with um, how well our ball movement is and why we move the ball so well, because we want to, we're genuinely want to see the next person succeed. And I also think that's just why we're such a good team, man. We're not the most, flashiest or the most talented team like we played a lot of teams that have more talent than us but we are so together and so connected on the court because of how happy genuinely happy we are to see the next person succeed man and I think that is why our ball movement is the way it is we will literally I know for sure I always pass up my shot I'm like well this guy got a better shot <laughs> but we I know we all do it we all do it like you know so it doesn't matter who it is on our team we'll all do it for each other because we want to see the next person succeed yeah, and here's Fletcher Lawyer dropping a dime off to Caleb first. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, as a basketball fan, I wouldn't, even if I wasn't a Purdue fan, you know, this is something I, to me, is must-see TV. There's a lot of special things going on. Zach Eady obviously being at the forefront of that, but even beyond just how you guys are together and, and everything. Go ahead, Craig. 
Yeah, on the broadcast the other day, they said that that you have a goal to eventually become an analyst and be on TV. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I um. Have you um? You know, Painter always talks about the connections and and what it means to graduate from Purdue to be on the Purdue team. And you, you look out there and you see Robbie Hummel doing his thing. You see Rafael Davis doing his thing. Have you had a chance to connect with those guys at all? Is yeah. You know how as you look at that goal moving forward, like what's that path like? Yeah, I talked to both, um, both great dudes, by the way, um, you know, and they kind of just walked me through the process of it. Obviously, they all say that it helps that you play at this level, you know, and with the transition, you know, because they look for guys like that who played at this level, who know about it and, and things like that. But, um, you know, for me, it's I kind of learned it when I was I got my degree in communications and, you know, I'm like, OK. I like to talk, man. I like to talk about things that I like and love, you know, so I can write papers and have great content in it. And I say, okay, you know what? Basketball analysts. Um, and then and I see guys like Stephen. And I had, it's funny, when I was at UNLV, I had met Stephen A. Smith. Got his contact. And he's kind of been walking me through the process as well. So it, it's kind of like, a, it, it's a dope thing, you know, and it's because you're still around the game and you get to talk about it and everything you see. You get to travel still. Like, I think, I think it's a cool gig. So when I'm when it's all said and done, when I'm done with Purdue, I'll play basketball for wherever, how long as I can, and then I'm gonna definitely go into analyst. You because people were asking in the chat, you know, no thoughts into coaching more in the media world. Yeah, um, you know, I, that's, that's what a couple people have been bringing up to me. You know, do you want to coach? You looking into coaching? I think I'm, I'm still like going back and forth. Like I like it. Um, I'm I'm trying to see how I'd be as a coach. I have low patience and things, and I think you gotta have low patience. <laughs> Yeah, man. Like when I'm sitting here and I'm and I'm watching paint sometimes and some of the crazy things we say to him, I'm like, how does this guy just be like? How is this guy taking these things like okay, like, you know? So I I don't know how I would be at it. I have to think about it a little more. But I just think sometimes what makes the best analysts is how they, some of them have no filters, you know, mm -hmm. and they just kind of say crazy things sometimes. But it's sure. funny and you know, and I think you you know you can do certain things like that. Um, so I, that's why I kind of like push myself a little more towards that. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll, we, we'll have more of a filter than dockage, though. Okay, yeah, that'll true. get you in trouble. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because uh, you know a good friend of this show and he's on a lot with us. We tried to get him on tonight, but he had his son's basketball practices, Bobby oh, Riddell, okay. and uh, you know I was like, what's more important, uh, kids' basketball practice or this world-renowned podcast? <laughs> right. You know, but he, he chose the kids' practice. That's fine. But if you do yeah, Bob, Bobby Riddell, Bobby Riddell, just to make that clear that not yeah, Dan yeah, Dockage, Bobby Riddell yeah, is a yeah, friend Bobby, of yours. Yeah, Bobby Buckets. And if you do end up an analyst, just don't get caught on TV with this kind of, you know, don't get caught like this. Cause then, then we post it on Braggs in the stands and we never let him live it down. He'll probably watch it later and be like, God, damn, guy, man. <laughs> oh man. So, you know, when you're talking about the rest of this season, the hype, of being number one in the country, you know, a lot of the talk early on was like, you know, last year it was the first time in program history, the team reached number one in the country. Now this year they get back. A lot of fans weren't expecting it. Maybe you guys did going into the season, but a lot of fans thought middle of the pack, big 10, somewhat of a rebuild year. And now all of a sudden you're right. They're right. You guys as a team are right back where you were last year. And I know you weren't here, but talk about that pressure of being the hunted, being that top dog in the Big Ten and nationally, unanimous number one team in the country this year. And then obviously, do you know anything about this Purdue-IU rivalry that's looming? And I, I almost, 
am hesitant to bring it up because I know there's a game to be played yeah, tomorrow, yeah. but all of Boiler Nation will want to hear your thoughts when it comes to the, the pressure, but specifically that IU-Purdue matchup that's coming up on yeah. Saturday too. So, you know, obviously, you know, the way I look at it, man, if I'm a if I'm on an opposing team and I'm getting ready to play the number one team in the country, man, I'm trying to take them out. You know, so the way I, when I look at it like that, I'm like, hey, we're going to get every team's best shot no matter what. It's kind of the same when Rutgers came in here and beat us at home, like, and they may, they haven't been playing as good since then, you know, and I'm just like, well, dang, like, what was that when they were playing us, you know? So, but we're going to get, like, every team's best shot, and that's just how it's going to be, man. It, it, in some ways, it's pressure, but, man, it's, it's ball, and we just know one thing that we always say right before we're getting ready to play, man, to stick to what we do, and I know that's cliche, but the one thing we do really well when we every game we usually have won is when we're just playing harder than the next team, man. Like, even if you think about it, the beginning, even mid of the year, we were shooting the three ball, like, not that good. We weren't shooting really good as a team in general, but we were winning all those games because we were just flat out playing harder than everybody. We're first to the floor. We're first, you know, getting kills, which we call three stops in a row. You know, we're doing some of those things, and, and I think it all just kind of translated to some of those winnings. And um, I think that's kind of one thing we know that uh, if we keep doing that, then we'll, we're going to stick to the, being the, the best team in the country and having good wins. And to touch on that IU game, man, it's funny because I messed up today. I went and talked to Coach Johnson. I'm like, yo, how's this IU game going to be? And I'm like, what? He's like, man, we play tomorrow, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. My bad. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, and obviously we can't look past nobody. Like, because Penn State, like, they're good. And uh, Shrewsbury, I don't know about him much, but I do know he, I heard he's a mastermind with plays and things like that. So, we got to make Penn State going to come here ready to go. And we got to make sure we're on our A game as well. Like, we know we're going to get their best shot. But, um, you know, that rivalry game, man, honestly, I can't talk much about it because I, I have a little feeling because they all tell me every day and, and tell me, Dave, this is going to be the craziest thing ever. But, man, I, I'm, I'm so excited for that game as well, um, you know, and, and how much, you know, how far the rivalry went back and things like that. But it's going to be good and fun. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm I'm looking forward to it a lot. Even the Penn State game tomorrow too. Um, I love watching Penn State personally. Going back to you, but like, what was it like catching whether it was a shoulder or an elbow from Mason Gills, who's just absolutely built? Like, what, what was what was that like, dude? Listen, I'm I still have a messed up eye. Like, still, dude. you know. Um, and they told me it's gonna take however long, but man, I'm starting to think this is permanent. But. Um, <laughs> Man, but you know, uh, so it was in practice. We were in sideline out of bounds, and I think TKR was throwing the ball out of bounds, and he threw it kind of off to the side. And I had to run and go get it. And as I'm running to go get it, I see Mason flying at me. I said, "Oh boy!" Because I said that because, like three weeks before that, I was going up for a layup on a fast break, and Mason was coming to try and block my shot, but he wasn't even close and like undercutted me, and I we just both just collapsed and. So it was giving me flashbacks as I was running for the ball. And I seen him. I said, oh, this is going to be bad. And I couldn't stop. He couldn't stop either. And, you know, his Mason's big old hard head, um, his head hit, had hit, split me open. And see, at the time, it was okay. It was just, it was just a split, man. And then I went home. I don't know. I got, no, I got stitches right after. I went home, took a nap, woke up, and it was just huge. And then as the days went on, it started to get black all the way around, just black. And, you know, and then obviously I had to miss the game. And then I had to go get plastic surgery because I had a big blood clot that wouldn't go away. Yeah, a lot of people don't know this stuff. And, you know, so I had to do that. And then I was recovering, recovering. And then I finally, my eyes started to finally open a little bit. But like I said, man, like I still, it's obviously still a little black here and a little puffy here. So I'm going to be dealing with this for how long. But 
Mason, he goes so hard, man. He don't even have control of sometimes. It's funny. Well, uh, Isaiah Thompson last year had a black eye to start yeah. the year. And I'm pretty sure it was from Mason. I, yeah. I've been so long, I can't remember. But, yeah, I think Mason's doing this every year. It's like a initiation or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so he, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Brandon also has a big old gash here. Um, in practice, same. Mason was driving to the hole. Brandon was guarding him, and he kind of dipped his shoulder and split Brandon open, had to get stitches and all that. He's this man is a menace. Uh, last year, they told me same type of thing happened. He uh, split open Carson. He's our walk-on. He split him open up here, and he has a big old scar here. I'm well, just and, like, then, man, and then I Zach Eaton has a scratch on his arm. Was that from Mason, too? That's Wait, which one? Uh, Zach Eady has a, a big scratch hey, on listen, his arm. Hey, listen, and, I don't know for sure, but if I had to take a wild guess, I'd it's say Mason. <laughs> it is. He, it's, like, it's like he enjoys it at this point. Dude. He owes you guys something there. I mean, this yeah, is crazy. I need, I need a steak dinner or something, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go yeah. ahead, Craig. We, we're going to wrap it up here, but Craig's got one more, and then we have one from the chat. Sure. Ha- having played in the Summit League, uh, Mountain West, and Pac-12, and coming to the Big Ten, um, you know, most of us uh, – talking to you right now, I, I try to watch college basketball from all conferences, but a lot of people listening primarily are Big Ten fans and primarily sure. focus on the Big Ten. I guess I, I'm just curious about the difference in arenas and the fans, that type of stuff. What's the Big Ten compare like to like the Pac-12 and maybe some other places? Yeah, so um, obviously, you know, the Summit League is smaller, mid-major conferences, so all the conferences, I mean, all the leagues, excuse me, schools are six, seven, eight thousand, you know, at the most, you know, um, Maybe one or two schools that got good atmospheres. We were one of them. We would usually almost sell out a lot of the games. Big fan support out there. Uh, when I got to UNLV, you know, the thing about UNLV is they're so used to the um, 90s Rebels, you know, with um, Big Dog and all of them and how good they were in their, their run. So, you know, if we don't live up, if we don't get to that, then, you know, the fan support is kind of low. But as far as the arena, it was eight, 18, 19,000. So it was big. So it was hard to feel anyway. But wow. the um, the Mountain West, I mean, it was pretty good. You got, you got San Diego State. They would sell their games out. Boise State had pretty good fan support. New Mexico, it was it was pretty good. When I got to the Pac-12, it was kind of low. The only teams that would have really big crowd, I would say, was Arizona. When we played them, they sell they sell it out. And it's, it's rocking in there. It's fun. Um, I can't call any other game really being crazy, to be honest with you. Just decent. And then when I got and but obviously within some of those schools we went and played bigger schools like when I was at South Dakota State we played Kansas and it was crazy you know Allen Fieldhouse was ridiculous yeah. and some of Wichita State was good and other some other schools but um, the Big Ten what's crazy to me is is it's like every game we've played has been like pretty pretty packed um, you know and pretty rocking I would say uh, when we were at Nebraska it was that was one of the loudest games we ever had and they're like you know I don't know where they're at in conference right now but. It, it was ridiculous. Michigan wasn't all the way packed, but it was loud. Ohio State was rocking. Um, every road game we've had has been pretty packed. Um, Minnesota, it, it was okay. Not, you know, not really. But um, I think the atmospheres in these conferences are crazy. And some of the guys are telling me, you know, when we go to Wisconsin, it'll be good. Obviously, IU is going to be good. We don't go to um, Illinois this year, but they told me it's rocking in Champaign. Like, you know, it's it's obviously going to be fun. Um, playing at this, is, it's like second to none playing in the Big Ten. And I'm not saying that to be biased, but if you really look at, you know, if you look at it from top to bottom, I think we're the best, like, conference in the country or, or up there at least, you know. Um, a lot of physical, big, good teams, man. And honestly, I wish I could have played in the Big Ten all the way from my freshman year because I love seeing these atmospheres. 
Well, and you got to yeah. play in the Palestra too, you know, uh, against Penn State. You know, what was, was that like? Um, right. That's yeah. like hallowed halls. Yeah, it was eight. I think we sold it out. It was only 8,000, but man, historic. And it was rocking in there. The thing is, is we were kind of controlling the tempo the whole game. So we kept the, the crowd out of it the most of the time. But, you know, some of the times where Penn State would get it going a little bit, it was loud in there because it was small, compact, and echo. It was going. Yeah, some of the the greatest ever have played there. Um, so, I, one thing I wanted to ask, and then we do have one in the chat. But the one thing I do want to ask, you know, when you talk about, you know, with the NIL stuff and the transfer portal kind of changing the landscape in a lot of ways of college basketball, you talked about it earlier with Joe. You know, your decision to come here. What would you say to future? players that would consider transferring to Purdue and maybe might have a hesitation or two and and speak on what the program has done for you as a person and an athlete. Yeah. You know, one thing I would say going in the portal and transferring in general is always make sure you ask the specific questions you want and get the specific answers because you know, you, you know, and like I said, this is, this is just speaking in general terms. You know, if you go and you ask certain questions, but you're not asking exactly what you want, then you're not going to get the exact answer you want. Um, I think that's most important because especially going into a school, you want to know what your role is going to be. You want to know exactly how you can help the team win and how the coaches see you helping, you know, the situation. So, and that's something I did going into Purdue. And I would say anybody transferred into Purdue, like make sure you ask those questions to coach Painter because he's a straight up dude and all he's about is winning. So he don't play favorites. He don't do, you know, play who, you know, his guys or anything like that. He's going to put on the court at that time who he thinks is going to help us win and help us win a Big Ten championship and, you know, get to a Final Four. So I think um, he's pretty straight up with that. But like I said, whether that's Purdue or anywhere you go, I'd always ask specific questions, man, because then the one thing you don't want to do is, and I had a meeting with Coach Painter the other day, like I always ask him questions because I'm like, okay, well, when I'm doing it's all said and done and I didn't ask those questions, well, I'm going to feel bad about it, man. I'm going to be like, dang, why didn't I ask that? So I make sure I always ask him certain questions of what I can do to help or what I can do, you know, to do this and this and that. So anybody transfer in or transfer anywhere, make sure you get asked specific questions and get specific answers. Appreciate that uh, response. You know, that's definitely, you know, something that more and more players each year now have to consider. You got a lot of people pulling at you from a million different directions. Oh, yeah. Fans tweeting at you like crazy. I mean, yep. You know, we were all as Purdue fans just obsessive about every potential, you know, transfer that was considering coming. And then when they didn't, we're like, you know, some fans take offense to that. And then then you come here and yeah, look at how you know, well it's worked out. So, I mean, everything seems to happen for yeah, a reason. It's a, but, it's a t- on that, like, you know, obviously some people may not have came here. Like, I don't know for sure. I'm just speaking. Some people may not have came because NIL, as you mentioned, like, you know, maybe somewhere they want more money or more this or more that. Like, man, I just wanted to come win at a high level. And I say if you're transferring here, the only thing you should want to do is come win at a high level and be able to listen and, and be taught by a decorated coach, seeing staff in general. You know, um, that if you're worried about NIL, if you're worried about, you know, all the other glitz and glams of, of the game, like, then Purdue's not for you. But if you're trying to, you know, get down dirty, get some wins and be a part of a historic program and, 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 and have a run for a national championship, then I'd say Purdue's your school. Hell yeah, man. That's well said. Uh, one one question from the chat. I always want the chat to feel like they're involved in this. Timothy Crimmins said, for David, Coach Payne seems to be feeding you more minutes at the two position. How much is that helping you find your shot in the flow of the game? Yeah, I mean, two things to that. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, like, I've always been a two guard, so that's how I know naturally how to score. 
I feel like sometimes when I'm at the one, I uh, am more inclined to set things and pass because I'm trying to get everybody going. But, you know, when you're at the two, I mean, majority of the plays and things for you to score. Um, that obviously Fletch, you know, he gets off because he's the two. But um, And I think one thing, too, is, is I think Painter and some of the coaches like when me and Brayden are on the floor at the same time because it gives us a little more dynamic um, guard duo. Um, you got two guys out there instead of one who can bring the ball up and, you know, are interchangeable and break presses, especially with teams who like to press. You know, having two guards out there who can do that is, you know, pretty pretty essential. Um, but it's helped me a lot, you know, because, like I said, I'm comfortable playing the two. I, I wanted to play the one this year just because I feel like, you know, wherever I go play at the next level, I have to at least display that I can do that. You know, I can't be a six-foot, six-one, two-guard, you know, my whole career. And, and, you know, I mean, I could, but you're more valuable when you can do both. And I told Painter I wanted to do that. And, he, you know, he stuck to his word and he helped me do that. Um, but, again, I think he's done both for me, which has kind of helped me as a player and kind of get me back to being comfortable. So sometimes whether that's playing the one and being comfortable and trying to set things up for our offense or playing the two when he thinks that I need a score or get a bucket for us. Absolutely. Uh, well, we really appreciate all your time. I mean, Brad Panther's asking and Prather's asking in the chat about the 2,000 points. I mean, you know, I'm sure you're yeah. aware you're getting close to it. We're all rooting for you. You know, I don't want to put I'm you on the spot about like, I'm gunning for this. Cause I know what you're going to say that like, it's not important to you, but, or whatever, but yeah. you know, as fans, I know we are all rooting for you to drop a tw- couple 20 burgers, sprinkle in some other ones. And before you know it, you'll eclipse that mark here. Yeah. I, I for sure it'll I mean to be honest like am, is that my main focus right now no I'm trying to I'm gonna be honest I'm trying to win a national championship man like Hell I want to yeah. win a big 10 first but I think we can win a natty um but that would mean it would mean everything to me as well obviously because there's not too many players who can reach 2,000 points in college um you know and that would mean everything to me so I, I keep that in mind sometimes but I'm just like you know whatever like th- you get it you get it you don't you don't but sh- I'd rather get a natty any, over that any day so Right. And uh, I think, you know, coming to Purdue is going to give you a good shot at that. We're certainly going to be rooting for you guys hard to have all your dreams come true in March. Uh, Some big goals ahead. You know, one more favor, you know, uh, since you're the, you know, want to be a media guy and you're always welcome on here to talk basketball whenever you want, even post career, you want to come on here, talk big 10 or whatever. You are always welcome here. We will give you a platform if you need it, but I'm sure you'll have, uh, a, a bigger star to shine outside of our 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 podcast, but you know you can come on and make. Hey, don't R- downplay it, baby. This is the brags right here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it it up. And, and you can come on yeah. and, and and give Bobby Riddell all the shit you want. But the one <laughs> request we'll have for you tonight is, you know, um, a promo. You know, uh, I'll show you, give you an example. You know, Sasha gave us one last year. It took him like eight takes. Sure. Ethan Morton nailed it on one take. So this is basically how it goes. This is Ethan Morton from Purdue Men's Basketball, and you're watching Boilers in the Stands. So, you know, you know, Braggs in the Stands is kind of the network, but we what we've started to create here with the Purdue coverage, we call it Boilers in the Stands. So if you may, I'm gonna isolate you on the camera. Give us your best. You know, I'm David Jenkins here, however you want to say it, and you're listening to Boilers in the Stands, and then we'll play it to start one of our next shows. So I'm going to isolate you on the camera here real quick. Now get your uh, graphic up, and then you give us our best, and then we'll we'll play it later. So I'll give you the countdown. In three, two, one. Hey, everybody. This is David Jenkins Jr., and you're listening to Boilers in the Stands. Bang. See? I like that. I like that. 
You know, Sasha's my guy, Stefanovich, but it took him like, I think it was three takes. You know, he's a smart kid. Oh, man. Yeah. Nobody's perfect, David. That's what it is. You know? I certainly am not. No, I'm definitely not. But hey, man, you're very gracious with your time tonight. I know everybody in the chat watching, and there'll be plenty more that tune in later and throughout the week as we promote it that are definitely going to enjoy this interview. We appreciate how open and honest you are about everything in this interview tonight. I think I can speak for Joe and Craig when it comes to yeah. that. And again, thank you for your time. Best oh, yeah. of luck here going forward. Maybe we'll bug you down the road, but we try Anytime. to only bug guys once a year, but maybe we'll, we'll, we'll give you a, you know, a text one of these days way down the road, but we really appreciate you coming on after your big game on Sunday. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on here. I'm always open. Text me anytime and I'll come through. Boiler oh, yeah. up. Yeah, and especially, you know, when you get done and, and next year you want to just talk basketball and, and hop on, man. We're always looking for former Boilers to come on and talk basketball and what's happening right now. So, 100%. Wait, then you can give really you some, give you some practice as a co-host. Yeah, right, then, you, then you can really now. cut it loose about, you know, guys like Hunter Dickinson, but we won't <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> All right, David. Have a good night. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, you guys have a good one. I'll see you guys. Yes, sir. Boiler up. This is Ethan Morton from Purdue Men's Basketball, and you're watching Boilers in the Stands.